Hello, welcome to the American Scouser podcast. I am your host, Chris, back again with all things Liverpool, this side of the pond. With me, as always, I have the OG, Tamuchin. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, what's going on, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good, good. Well, uh, our first weekend, uh, our first game, um, I mean, that was that was uh, interesting, to say the least. Um, <laughs> it looks like heavy metal football's back. Liverpool 4 leads 3. Um, I, I don't think um, anybody had predicted that as a score. I think a lot of us had had Liverpool scoring four, um, yes. but we didn't have Leeds scoring three, um, and certainly not in the manner that they did. I mean, to be honest with you, man, um, Leeds actually looked good. Um, I, and I know we were a bit sketchy at the back and stuff, but I mean, we got off to a great start and everything else, but, but Leeds really brought it to us, um, and I was super impressed. Um, with this being a championship team, I, I actually think they, they looked a bit better than Sheffield United looked last year. What do you think? I think so. I mean, I thought they, first of all, when the game started and the way they play, you know, starting the build from the back, I was like, man, this is kind of like risky business on their part, works yeah. for us. I'm going to have to say they handled our pressure for the most part pretty well. I mean, they did have a couple of like lost balls there, but for the most part, they were able to get the ball out of there. And when they did, that's when they were dangerous. So, uh, cause they had like a lot more numbers behind the ball and they're like fast team overall. Uh, and I thought they did well kind of like pressuring us in return. So it's probably one of the few teams that can kind of go at us like that. And uh, I mean, almost live to see another day. Uh, but yeah, it was, I don't think we were expecting them to be able to keep doing what they were doing for like, you know, the full 90. I think that was like the most shocking part. I mean, some teams start out like that, but they're like, they're not going to be able to keep this up. And yeah. they were amazingly well, I mean, they, they, going. They pretty much came and they played like they did in the championship last year. And a lot of people were like, well, they're going to have to adjust their style of play to play in the Premier League. Um, and they, they play a very similar style of football to us, high pressure. Um, high line, very attacking, very fast. Um, and, you know, they just did not look out of place at all. I mean, they they, they messed around our defence. They pulled them everywhere. Um, I mean, 4-3 scoreline um, kind of does the game justice. I mean, it was that kind of game. It was back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. And, and there was a lot of chances had. You know, um, I, I saw, again, when we have sketchy results or what people consider a sketchy result hey we won the game it doesn't matter it yep. was the first game of the season we're always going to be rusty coming into the first game um and i think people were maybe just they don't understand this game in a sense that a team like leeds coming up from the championship in their heads shouldn't be able to do that to a team like liverpool um but you have to remember the manager that, that this team has um they've been threatening to come up into the premier league for a couple of years people have been talking about bielsa and, and what a great manager he is um I, I gotta say fair play to leeds i mean they really did do a good job but um let, let's get on to us for a second um mo salah hat trick um obviously two penalties uh two very clear penalties i don't think oh, there's yeah. any there's any um question about those i mean it was a clear handball um and it was a clear foul on, on fabinho um yeah that was more like a striker's challenge um ardo white said in, in the thing it was like a training ground finish it was so <laughs> relaxed and it was just like like he hit it that hard and that fast that that Melier standing right on that corner had his hand in the corner and still couldn't get there. You know, um, 
So, yeah, I mean, what do you think, man? I mean, we, we, we looked great going forward, as we always do. Um, I, I think the back line was the question, but, but going forward, it was, it was classic Liverpool. And I think, honestly, when I saw the lineup, I was very happy to see Hendo. I did not expect him to start. I and mean, when we talked last week for, like, the preview, so we never saw that coming, you know, like, that yeah. wasn't even in the equation. Uh, so I was happy to see him back uh, in the lineup when I saw the lineup. And I think that lineup was almost designed that midfield, to me, is the ideal midfield uh, when we play a team that's going to sit back. And I don't know if that's what we were expecting. We didn't think Leeds would be that gutsy coming out and playing the same way they played last year in the championship. Yep. But when they did, I think that midfield gets slightly exposed. Yep. Uh, so that's why I think things changed a lot more when Fabinho came in. Uh, so I think if we kind of anticipated them playing like that, I almost feel like we would have started with Fab instead. And that oh. would have been a totally different game defensively too. Because yeah. we got almost like two exposed in the back. Some, un- I don't know if they're on characteristics still because it is happening a bit more frequently now. Uh, but yeah, some just like bad, bad errors in the back uh, when we were defending, when you look at the goals and how they happen, not tracking back. Uh, Van Dijk almost like not calm as we like, but maybe calmer than we would like yeah. uh, in that goal. Um which sometimes it almost seems like, I mean, that calmness sometimes I think gets the better of him. A couple of the times he's made that mistake uh, or similar mistakes that led to goals. It's always been that. It's almost like he's a bit too calm. Uh, but that's the strength at the same time. So you really can't have one without the other. It's similar to like when Ellison, you know, like brings the ball in. Sometimes you hold your breath. He's like, man, you take too much risk. But that's the strength at the same time to be able to pin that ball all the way to Robertson on the other side or yeah. Trent on the right-hand side and stuff. Well, so funny. some of those things, you can't have the benefit without the risk. Well, it's funny you mentioned about the, the, the cameras you like or more calm than we like. Um, and and there, was, there was mention from Jimmy Carragher over the weekend of arrogance from, from Van Dijk. Um, I, I don't necessarily see it as, I mean, you have to have a certain air of arrogance. You have to have a certain air of self-belief to be a professional sports person. Um, and when you're playing in potentially the best team on the planet right now, and you're considered the best defender on the planet, it's going to have that kind of effect mentally. And I think um, it just, I don't think it was arrogance more than, more than just bad decision-making. Um, I mean, in that situation, the simple thing to do was a little nod back into Allenson's hands. That would have, fixed everything but I think with the confidence that the, the guy has and the way we play football and all that kind of stuff that little flick is something that 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 he would be very used to and it would usually work for us I mean you look at last year I can't remember who it was but the ball come down and he kind of just sort of used a little sort of header flick Dude, flick I was the player just about to talk about that was that the Brighton game I think it was where, the Brighton game yeah when that happened I mean that's a highlight we watch and we're like look yeah, at him that's amazing but when well, it that bounces back that calmness backfires. So you can't yeah. have one without the other. You're either going to say, Hey, this is what we're going with, or, you know, you're going to have a defender just that just boots it up. But I will say, and I mean, he's still the best center back in the league by far, oh, yeah. but I will say one of the things that I admired the most from him in the past, which I see less of now is the balls that he always cut off in the air. Yeah. Somehow we almost always brought him down almost as a pass. 
Yeah. I mean, it was just like incredible, his vision. As the ball was in the air, he would head it into, not just head it away, yeah. but it was like headed to... To Bobby's feet or something. <laughs> I, honestly, I do see a lot less of that. But I mean, here's another thing, you know, like the, the teams are kind of like figuring out how to attack us in a yep. way too. So you kind of have to bear that in mind. And, you know, they're probably trying to put him in situations that he is not as comfortable with, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's so much tape on these guys. Uh, but... I mean, like you're saying, I mean, that, that's funny that you mentioned that because I was just thinking that I'm like, what game was that? I want to say Brighton, but I can't remember. I can't remember exactly yeah, which game it was. I think it might have been Brighton. Yeah, it, it's just like you say, I mean, you watch that and you're like, look at the confidence there. But then, then you can't say that and then come back and say, hey, you can't have that much confidence and stuff. So, and you're right. It is, I don't know if this arrogance as much that like, oh, I'm just too good for this kind of an arrogance. But I think, yeah, it's the overall confidence. Like, I got this at all times thing. Yeah, any other defender would either like pass it back or just panic and like, you know, give them a throw in and play it safe kind of thing. But his, you know, overconfidence is always like, I got this. Let me just maneuver here real quick well, and put the ball back into play. Well, everyone's talking about that mistake by, by Van Dyke, But I mean, for the other goals and things, uh, um, you know, the one way to beat this Liverpool team, we play with a high line. So, you know, it's basically steal the ball, play the ball over the top and run onto it. And they kind of did that to us a couple of times. Um, and the first goal sort of caught Trent out of position and and, and Gomez out. Um, and and it, it seems to be that um, I've noticed, and we, we've talked about this um, on one of the other podcasts and, and our friend Dan Brown, who we mentioned, from the FIFA tournament had talked about the, the Gomez Fabinho conspiracy theory, which he still hasn't written yet. We're going to call him out every week until he does. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, there, there seems to be, that seems to be the weakness for me. I know Van Dyke made a mistake, but I, I think that was a culmination of a lot of things that were happening within the defense throughout the game. And we were getting pulled apart and Leeds did a really good job of, of, of stretching the defense and trying to catch us out, you know, they played very similar football to us, steal the ball on the halfway line and, and catch out the defenders, you know, um, or, or steal the ball on the edge of the box and pump it over the top for someone to run onto. And and they did a really good job of it. They scored three goals. And on a normal day, that would have given them a win. But when you're up against a team like Liverpool and the attacking flair that we have in, in Manny, Bobby, Salah, and just the ability, I mean, every day, time we went forward, we looked dangerous we looked like we were going to score goals and there was there was more than just the four chances I mean there was a, a shit ton of chances I mean there was that one where Bobby was one-on-one with the keeper and decided to play it left one with um, I, I don't understand that at all I, there, I, I can see people's frustration with Firmino um, he's a phenomenal footballer and he works so hard but there's been a lot of times where there's he he hasn't been that out and out striker. Like if it was a Suarez or 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 an Owen or a Fowler in and a lot of the positions that he's in, they're hitting the back of the net. They're not looking for the other forward. And I think that's the one thing that Bobby doesn't have is that killer instinct of a finish that other strikers normally have. But he doesn't play the normal striker role. So it's it's catch twenty two in a way. You take him out of the out of the team and, and it it completely changes our attack and how it, how it, how it works. But you keep him in there as that central striker, and he's not scoring as many goals as as another central striker would score. Um, it's a quandary. I love Bobby DeBets. He's one of my favorite footballers on the planet right now. 
because the work that the work rate and everything that he does is just second to none. But uh, we do have to question the finishing. I think it's almost like we're playing a Brazilian midfielder as our striker, and there lies yeah. the problem. And it, because of the way we play, he doesn't play an actual striker, so it does work. But uh, it almost feels like you know the goal that he missed that you're talking about the one on one. I think an act like a striker, striker. I don't care where they're from. They're probably slamming that one yeah. in to like either like a top corner or they're slamming that one in hard on the ground or whatever. Whereas it almost like if you look at all of Bobby's goals, uh, even the ones like that are outside, the, they're never like slammed in. They're always mostly finesse shots. Like if you're a FIFA player, he only shoots with R1. You know, <laughs> and he yeah, I think the, the only, the only goal I remember him absolutely thumping was um, the Southampton one. Remember the ball over the top? He just ran onto it and caught it in the volley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the counter. Yes. Yeah. And just, just I, and, and, I was just like, oh, yes, Bobby. And I think you that's know? why sometimes, I mean, when they do go in, they look very pretty and clever. But when they do not go in like that shot he did, um, it can get frustrating. I just feel like what he brings otherwise cannot be replaced. So when you say, okay, let's put somebody over there who can finish better, you know, insert name there. I mean, let's say, you know, Divac or whatever. Not that I'm suggesting it. Let's say, you know, just playing the devil's advocate. You're losing a lot. Now you're not getting into that situation, I think, is the the thing that some fans do not see. It's not like you take Bobby out of there, put somebody in there, and they get in that situation. Because Bobby creates that situation where he's one-on-one by creating the space, the movement, and stuff like that. So... Uh, well, even even as even those situations with well even a lot of the time he's on he's on the halfway line he'll nick the ball or he'll get the ball and play it wide and then he's in the box to be the link up man you know a lot of the time it's him that steals the ball or starts those moves as you said yeah so you know it, it's I noticed as well as sort of the preseason and, and there was the one game where we switched from the four three three we brought Minomino on to the left dropped back, Bobby back into the ten and put Salah up front and, and Manny wide and, and Bobby just came alive yeah you know um and i've been chatting with some other friends and we've talked about it for a while that you know when when was Klopp going to reintroduce the 4-2-3-1 formation he had so much success at Dortmund with and who was he going to play in the 10 and all this kind of stuff i mean in that 4-2-3-1 with Bobby in the 10 it's it's kind of like the role he was meant to play in my my opinion like he plays like a number 10 Yes, you know? I mean, in terms of skill set wise and the vision, and he looks to pass as opposed to score, yeah. like instinct wise, he's probably filtered that. I think the hesitance of doing that 4 2 3 1 is Bobby is very key as the you know one up top right now to yeah. start the press, yeah. and we almost you know kind of you know, put Trent, you know, we, if we leave somebody up, it's usually Salah, you know, like, so he has a bit more of a free roam in terms of like coming back to defend and stuff like that. So I think if you put Salah as that one, now you're not getting that, you know, the counter press as much as you would like, which we, you know, we kind of like feast on, but I think against a team that is not looking to keep the ball, uh, you know, and at home, you know, trying to just defend, I think that's probably a good solution to kind of like go at him, introduce, you know, four offensive players up top. Yeah. And that's the thing again, like, I mean, we're, 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 it's the first game of the season, you know, there's 37 games to go, you know, we won our first game. I mean, it it wasn't, it wasn't pretty, but it was fun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It kind of reminded me, it it kind of reminded me a little bit of, of the Norwich game 
<laughs> of the year last year, you know what I mean? It, it was sort of similar sort of thing. We were kind of questioning. We hadn't made any signings, and we were questioning if, you know, we were going to be the the team, you know, uh, and we just went ahead. And I think, you know, if, if you think of the goals that were scored, it was the, I mean, the the first and third goal for Leeds were great goals. You know, they they were very very good goals, very well taken. You know, um, and again. You know, again, the mistake from Van Dyke is whatever. You know, on a normal day, we don't make those mistakes, but we're just coming in. You know, Trent was coming into the the back line for the first time really um, since since last season, and, and it was the first time I think the four of them had played together since last season. Maybe they played together in preseason briefly. Yeah, this is a more solo mixed mesh, and you know, like Trent was with the national team, he came yeah. back and he did have an awful game, which obviously yeah. affects how Gomez's game goes and he did have a poor game as well. And I know I hate to be that guy because I know with Lovren gone, we need somebody new. And sadly, most people have picked Gomez already, but I feel like in this game, yeah. The thing with Gomez is, you know, it's, he fits the high line we play because he's yeah. so fast. He's got so the he can, like recover and catch up to anybody, but it almost like he kind of cheats sometimes and messes up that back line. Yeah. So before the ball comes in, he almost starts it a little bit and kind of like cheats. And I think it puts us in dangerous spots, like in one of the goal. I feel like the third goal, I know everybody's, you know, on midfield, especially like Curtis and not tracking their guy back. But if you watch that goal again, and I hadn't watched initially, then I talked to a couple of people, went back and watched it again. See how far back Gomez is compared to the rest of the line. Yeah. He almost like sucks the entire line back more in. Whereas yeah. if you look at where Van Dyke, Robo, and Trent are, they're much more forward. It almost yeah. feels like if Gomez is at that line, there's three guys offside. Not the yeah. goal scorer, but I think still he would have been offside because they're kind of interfering with the play because they're in front of him and stuff like that. So couple of things he does like that. I still feel like Matip Izzard should be the number two. I like him a lot better, especially against teams who are trying to open up uh, defenses yeah. at home and stuff. Uh, the ability to pass between lines a lot better and the way he brings the ball up sometimes, yeah. the exp- you know, kind of like take advantage of the space that's given to him and stuff. I think he's a lot more dangerous and a lot more useful in those games. But, yeah, I mean, these are kind of like we kind of put our eggs in the basket of – you know, him and Gomez. So let's hope it does pay off. But like you were saying, it's the first game. We got the freaking three points. I almost feel like there were so many fans, which I really annoys the hell out of me, to be honest with you. And kind of sometimes I take a time out from social media after games because it just blows my mind. But there were almost people waiting for something bad to happen so they could say, oh, we told you so because we didn't spend bazillion, gazillion dollars. And it was almost like a semi-disappointment that it didn't happen or something. But yeah. at the same time, they were like, see, the dangerous signs are there. There were so many games last year that, let's face it, we kind of pulled it off at the end. Yep. And you can't go and say, oh, this team is mentality monsters and stuff then, but now come back and say, oh, see, the signs are there. Well, then the signs were there last year too. I mean, how many games did we score in the last 10 minutes and stuff like that? We were leading the league. And it was all about knowing how to win, being mentality monsters and stuff. Well, you can't say that on that end and then turn it around over here now that that season is over and say, oh, the warning signs are there. If you look back last season, there were a lot of freaking warning signs, but we got the three points and that's all that matters is the three points. 
And that's the thing, man. It's kind of it's it's that thing. It's um you talk about the mentality monsters thing and and the amount of late score goals we scored last year. You know, it's the mark of a championship team. It's the the mark of a of a Premier League winning team and 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 being that team that can push for a title is the one that you know when you're three each at home and you're not playing the best, you can get that late goal and just nick the win and just do yep. enough to get it. You know, and that's what it's about. I mean, I can remember it was one of the, it was either Chelsea did it and United did it, where I think they had just a, a string of just 1-0 wins and late yeah, I mean, wins and stuff you know, like that. Years when so United it, was successful, it's not like, they were not like City where they were blowing everybody out like 4-0, 5-1 yeah. and stuff like that. But, you know, even when it was 1-1, you were like, these assholes are going to find a way to score. Yeah. And they did. And I guarantee and that's what we're doing. all the Liverpool haters are saying the same thing now. They yep. look at the game, they see it's 3-3, and they say, these guys are going to freaking find a way to score. And we do. And like yep. you say, that's the sign of a winner, that's the sign of a champion. Exactly. And that's it, man. It's, it's again, the, the, you know, you can't be talking about mentality monsters in a previous season having the same results, you know, and then switching it around and going, oh, they're a mess when they're doing exactly the same thing, you know. Um, and what we have to remember as well is it was Leeds' first game in the Premier League. They were coming up to make a mark. They wanted to put their stamp, you know, and show everyone that, you know, we're here to compete. We're not just another championship team coming up here to be whipped every week the way it usually is. You know, they, they were coming up and they, they wanted to make a statement and say, you know, we're back in the Premier League and we're here to stay. And it kind of, I mean, we'll see you over the length of the season if they can sustain it, as you said. But for that 90 minutes, they looked like a proper Premier League team. I think so. The thing about them, and this is what I mainly worry, I think, about us, is the lack of fans. Because, you know, you know, yeah. Leeds at home, uh, that stadium, you know, that crowd, they're part, that's part of their strength. And, you know, more power to them. They can probably figure out themselves and hopefully we'll stay. I'm more concerned about us because yep. <laughs> I feel like um, that's going to be, you know, if you take the fans out, you know, which team out of all the teams going to, you know, going for the title again, it hurts us the most. City doesn't even freaking have fans. And, it, you know, like in Chelsea and stuff, they don't have that Anfield thing that we have. Yep. And that's, I think, my biggest concern. Sometimes when this team is a little dopey, the yeah. fans the can kind of the... get him going. Whereas it almost felt like this game, the goals were the ones that were waking us up. And, yeah. you know, when you don't have those fans, one of these days, that goal is going to come too late. We're going to wake up too late. I feel like that Anfield crowd has the ability to yeah. give energy to the team and keep them awake or wake them up when needed. And I'm actually glad like they the weren't there for this game. November can't come fast enough. I, I was actually glad they weren't there for this game. Because it was that it was the type of game where um, the cop and everything else would get a little bit touchy, you know. When we go one one, two one, two two, three two, three three, and the crowd would start to get on the players' backs, and there would be a lot of nervousness around, you know. And and they were the type of games, you know, um, you know, two or three years ago, you know, with the heavy metal football, where we'd all be just biting our nails till the ninety fifth minute or whatever it was going to be, you know. Um, I, I, I love those seasons and I hate them at the same time. I love them because it's exciting and it's just up and down and up and down. But then I hate them because my nerves just can't take it. It's not good for the hearts. I mean, that's for sure. And I think that's the, I just feel like the game would not be in that situation if the fans were there to start with. It would not yeah. go through. Well, there's also that intimidation thing that, that our exactly. crowd has. 
that, especially that for a new team. players. Yeah, especially for a team that just came up to the Premier League and their first Premier League game, if they walk out to a full low Anfield celebrating the champion, it's not going to be the same. You know, the intimidation yeah. factor, like you were saying, you know, the ground will be shaking. The ground will feel like it's shaking to them. So I think, you know, you kind of lose that. And I, sadly, it affects us the most, I think. Yeah. So let's hope. So that's why I feel like these three points are even more valuable to us. Let's keep the end of three. I don't care how we play. Let's keep getting the threes. Yep. And when the fans come back up and we're almost like full strength with the fans, I feel like, you know, we're going to be unbeatable again anyway. I mean, this team already has a good record, just muscle memory at home. Uh, but the fans definitely bring something else. Yeah. And, 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 and again, it's, I mean, we all want to see the crowds back and we all want to do it because it's, it's, it's kind of strange. And, and it's, it's almost like, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, it, it makes it a level playing field for everyone. <laughs> in, in a sense uh, and it does in a way because you don't have that uh, the opposing fine fans giving you crap and, and getting on your back and 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 putting that pressure on you you know you know when an opposing player gets the ball or they play it back to the goalkeeper uh, and it's it's come a bit fast at him and he has to control it really quickly you know the crowd can be on him and putting that pressure whereas you, you don't get that with, with without the crowd and stuff and, and it's going to be good to see them back uh, and, and you're right I mean Liverpool are you know, one of those teams that um, the crowd is such a, an integral part of, of our home game, especially. Um, and our away fans um, are, are some of the best in the league. You know, um, you know the, a lot of those those guys go to nearly every single game. Um, I'm friends with a few of them on Facebook, you know, um, and you see them go to every game religiously, you know, and it doesn't matter where it is. I mean, it, it could be Brighton. Uh, it could be Dubrovnik. It could be, you know, those guys are there. <laughs> You know, um, so, so it's it, it's it's tough not having that 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 regularity or that familiarity, um, and it's going to be interesting when they start letting fans back in. Um, I, I think the smart thing is that it's the season ticket holders, the regulars, the cop guys, um, and all those groups that that should be coming back into the crowd to watch the games. Um, I mean, they're the ones that that create most of the atmosphere, exactly, um, and stuff like that. So you know, for me, that makes sense to bring you know, the, the likes of, of Spy and Cop and all those guys back in um, and Spur to Shankly and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I would be a big advocate for pushing for those guys to get those tickets. It would be nice for other people to get tickets, but, I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you regulate that? You know, how do you regulate giving tickets to, to people from America or Australia uh, uh, as opposed to a local? You know, yeah, and, I mean, no and again, lot, but you're saying a season ticket holder automatically. I agree with you. Yeah. Should get the priority. I don't know how they're determining that because I'm. Well, I think as far as the safety and from a safety standpoint, uh, and if you want to talk about social distancing rules, and and you want to talk about you know lockdowns and all this kind of stuff, if if we want to stick to the rules, uh, we don't care what your thoughts are on COVID, whether it's a conspiracy theory or whether whatever you think. But as far as you know, the regulations go and stick into the rules and making sure everybody's you know above board and safe and whatever. Um, I, I think it only makes sense to give these um, spots and tickets to local people, so that we don't encourage people to come from out of the area and potentially bring uh, the infection or another That's type point, of sickness. In, you know, so um, yeah, I mean, it, may, it only makes sense that the, the season ticket holders get it, and if they don't, uh, if they do decide to to just make it a random lottery, I think I. For me, that's a mistake, but we'll see what happens. You know, um, they're coming back in next month. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, the numbers will go down a bit, and uh, and we can start getting proper crowds and and not that fake, what I like to call FIFA noise in the background. <laughs> um, so yeah, speaking of FIFA, actually, the final is tonight, Timuchin. 
The final is in a couple of hours over here, man. All the pressure is on me, I feel like, thanks to you. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I shall do my best and represent the best I can. But yeah, we got it in a couple of hours over here. Uh, it is a Liverpool versus Liverpool final. So it should be interesting. I, I thought it went pretty smooth. Uh, kind of gives us a lot to kind of like improve on going on to the next FIFA tournaments uh, that we'll do. And hopefully it will be with like the new FIFA game anyway. So Yeah, so yeah, check out... Um www.americanscouture.com um, get on there Facebook, Instagram, Twitter um, Instagram and Twitter is at American Scouture blog um, our Facebook, we have the americanscouture.com Facebook page and we also have our group uh, LFC America if you want to get involved in the conversation uh, we'll also be dropping links and stuff in there um, later on if you want to watch the final um, obviously you're going to get this on Tuesday, so you won't be able to click on that and watch it, but it'll be up there anyway, if you want to go back. And I'm sure with Twitch, it records the game anyway, so you might be able to watch it back. Um, and I definitely recommend, I mean, having seen, and that's why I think I almost like to take a timeout. I mean, some of the groups that I'm in and I'm in a bunch of them, cause you know, yeah. we come together with a lot of like us you know, fans and, Man, I think some of the groups are not admin as well or monitor as well. The troll count is really high. I really question some of these guys how much of a Liverpool fan they actually are. And you know us, I mean, we're definitely open doors to all new fans. That's kind of like the, you know, the goal of the site to, you know, like new fans of this club in the US and stuff. But there's so many people on there pretend to be longtime fans, but then put a link from the sun and shit like that. Yeah. And you know, like focus more on like what other teams are doing compared to, you know, yeah. what Liverpool actually is doing. Uh, so that's why, I mean, if you're looking for intelligence, uh, kind of like more mature conversation, I guess that's admins without minimal trolls, I should say. It's never zero uh, yeah. <laughs> online. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely recommend like, you know, come to our page and join the group LFC America where, I mean, we have a lot more admins. I don't even know who admins Liverpool's official group to be honest with. <laughs> I think Rich. I think Rich is Rich Kramer. I think he's our uh, he's our main admin guy on the. On the uh, he is with us and Brando Linger, uh, JD. I mean, we have a bunch of you know Robert Lopez, Mark and Martin. Uh, so we have a big crowd that kind of can catch stuff as it happens and kind of like you know inter you know kind of like get ourselves in there, remove a post or whatever when it happens. I mean, somebody, like I say, I mean, a post from the sun is not going to last very long no. in America. And I think it's sat there for freaking hours uh, till people like pounded a set to death uh, in the U.S. fan group. So, and apart from that, I feel like there's like, just like a lot of like troll work happening in some of, some of the groups that are not admin very well. And yeah. being a new fan is okay. Not being on top of everything is okay. Uh, but like, I kind of like our Jeff Cutler, you know, like a new yep. fan, new to the sport, new to the club, but kind of like own up to it. And that's yep. what we're here for, to kind of like introduce people to this Liverpool culture because that's what makes this club special. And, you know, that's why we're following the club. It's just not because they're wearing red and, you know, or something else, you know, exactly. or they win or whatever. So I think that's you know, like own up to it, kind of like learn from the club, join the community, join the discussion. And like I say, join the LFC America. That's the place for you. <laughs> hey, that's it, man. Yeah, get on there. Um, yeah. And then if you want to check out all our articles, um, you know, 
we have we have a, a wide range of articles, um, transfers, um, the youth team, the women's team, all that kind of stuff. It's all covered on the website. Uh, go over there, www.americanscouser.com. You can actually um, you can get involved in our fantasy football league there. You can get involved in our prediction game there. Um, any FIFA tournaments we have coming up, and then you can actually listen back to old podcasts and stuff as well. So if you you know if you if you are a new fan and you want to catch up on things and you want to learn a little bit more um, and a little bit deeper, you you can jump in. We have a lot of um, we have a, a lot of the OLSC Spotlight um, podcasts up there as well, so you can learn about your local OLSC if you haven't joined one yet, or if there's one that you want to check out and you're moving, you can you can check out to see if they have one. Um, obviously, Liverpool haven't announced any of the new officials yet. Um, myself and my group at Knoxville, uh, LFC, we're still waiting to hear. We were supposed to hear in July, but I know with COVID and everything else, it's put everything back. So. I was going to say, because last year it happened around July, didn't it? Like there was yeah. like maybe like Well, we, we were actually told by the club. We were actually told by the club, um, I think back in, in January or February, that um, decisions would be made in July. But obviously that was before COVID and the lockdowns and stuff. So that probably shifted everything and they're, they're probably be putting that but i'm hopefully fingers crossed we'll hear soon uh, and the next olsc pod that you'll hear will be the lfc knoxville but um, <laughs> the uh yeah if you're part of an olsc uh, an official liverpool supporters club even if you're, you're not an official club um even if you're user a group and you meet at a bar and you haven't got your official status yet get in touch with us um we'd love to talk to you about the history of your club and how you got started and we'd love to get you onto the site um and to join with the official liverpool supporters clubs as well um and it can't help you to be on that list and get connected with those guys um you know i'm connected with uh, a couple of different groups around the country just through different people uh, and and it's really helped um for me especially being being um being irish and moving to america um the liverpool supporters club w- was a big in for me um i didn't know anybody here i moved here and i married my wife you know but i didn't have a lot of friends or anything here so it was it was it was a new world for me and a good way for me to step in was through the lfc uh, supporters groups and, and in Orlando I met some amazing people down there Kevin Scott, Philly and, and Kate uh, Kate and all those guys um, and, I sp- and Kerry Kerry somewhere who we had on um, you know it was through her I, I, I joined that, that group and then when I moved to Knoxville I joined up with, with uh, LFC Knoxville um, and those guys are amazing I mean some of those guys are some of my best friends right now um, amazing guys and amazing. Like, it's that community feel we talk about you know yeah. you have such a it, it feels to an outsider is maybe not a huge bond yeah but as a Liverpool fan we know it is a freaking huge bond so yeah. and that's all it takes and that's the thing as well I mean we, we know that not, not to get morbid on it but the, the political spectrum of the country is kind of heightened at the minute uh, and and there's a lot of talk about other things and, and, and within our group as well there's there's obviously every side of the community there but when we're Liverpool, it's Liverpool. There's there's nothing, you know, we're, we're that kind of group, you know, and, and it's superb to see that, that people from opposite views and opposite sides can can come together and, and just, just enjoy the football together without, you know, and Liverpool is a pretty, pretty pr- political club, so to speak, you know, um, I mean, if you want to read into the history of the club uh, and the socialist history of the club and, and, and Liverpool as a city, um, you know, you'll understand why it's such an integral part of the club and, and things like that. But, you know, we're, we're one of those things, uh, one of those teams that just welcome anyone, you know, we're world supported. I mean, you look at it when we won the league, there was videos in cities all over the world. Um, did you see the one in, uh, I think it was Kuala Lumpur? Yeah, um, where not... all the guys on the scooters, yeah, in Liverpool <laughs> shirts, like buses, scooters everywhere. Yeah. 
amazing to see you know so um you know that's the community and and we're trying to build that kind of community here um you know you know soccer in the premier league it isn't new to america you know soccer's been around in america for a long time i mean if you go back to the 70s you had pele and george best and all those guys in the north american soccer league and it really didn't kick off um speaking on that if anybody's listening and they have uh, this is a personal request from me if anybody's listening and they have a colorado caribou jersey from 1978 if you know what that you know if you know what this jersey is you know what i'm talking about um it, it looks like a, a an old like western uh, cowboy shirt it has like frills and stuff on it i will kill to get one of these things um it's amazing it really is if you, you get a chance google uh the uh, colorado caribou um from 1978 it, it, it is a absolute joy and sight to behold uh, if you could find me too, me and my friend uh, Asher will be extremely happy. So, and we will pay you for it. You know, um, it may not be any cash, but we'll find a way. So, if anybody has a, a orphan, I don't even want to know. Point me in the right direction. <laughs> point me in the right direction. I'll be your friend forever. We'll even invite you on the podcast. How's that? There we go. That's yeah. that was the best. That's better than cash, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> but I think we've rambled on for long enough here, um, Timuchin. Thanks for joining me again, buddy. Uh, thanks for all you do for the website and everything else. My pleasure. We will be back later in the week uh, to preview the Chelsea game. Uh, we'll also be uh, reviewing the American Scouser Cup final uh, between Timuchin and Dan B, the FIFA Cup. Uh, that's tonight. Uh, we'll Monday night. And um, we'll also be uh, touching on, hopefully Jamie will be with us, uh, or, or even Ola, uh, and we'll be touching on uh, fantasy football that. as well, uh, your picks for this weekend, uh, and talking a little bit about this week's results and, and who scored what and who to look out for. So, yeah, um, join us again on Friday for that. Um, Timuchin, again, thanks, buddy. Uh, I will speak to you soon. Thank you, sir. Uh, don't forget, folks, turn on, tune in, cop out to the American Scratcher podcast. You'll never want to.